Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a hub of sex positive resources, and today's positive resource is Planned Parenthood. I am here with Charity Galgani. Galgani. I said it right? I think so. Oh, yes. How often does that ever happen? <laughs> All the time. Do you get Galgani? Everything. Oh. <laughs> Galgani. Gail Ganny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And um, what's your title here at Planned Parenthood? Um, I am the clinical manager here at Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region in southwest Missouri. Um, I'm a women's health nurse practitioner, and I have a doctorate in nursing practice, which basically means I like clinical quality outcomes. And so what all do you do here? So a lot of what I do is administrative work, but um, I also help manage the licensed personnel, so the registered nurses, and the advanced practice registered nurses, so the nurse practitioners. At all of our family planning clinics, our nurse practitioners function pretty independently seeing all the patients. And I do work out at the clinics as well, and we provide family planning services. So birth control, STI testing, cancer screenings, that's a lot of what we do. Our goal is to provide excellent reproductive health services for all patients. So the whole family care services, Mm -hmm. can you go through those a little bit more detail for us? Sure. So that includes the STD testing and the birth control, um, family planning counseling. So we do pregnancy tests for patients. They come in, can get their depo every three months. And then for STI testing, we provide the full range of sexually transmitted infection testing. And that is something that we discuss with each patient, you know, based on the risk factors. And then we can do that testing from there. So that's a lot of what we do. And what's depo? <laughs> Depomedroxyprogesterone acetate. So it's it's a, a shot that is a birth control. Okay. Yeah, long. It's it's not a long acting option, but it's good for three months. Got it. So and then it, um, the STD testing. Mm-hmm. What STDs are included? Sure. So we we routinely test uh, for anybody under the age of twenty five uh, for chlamydia and gonorrhea because that's the age group that's most vulnerable to those uh, sexually transmitted infections. Um, they can be very insidious, and patients cannot have any symptoms. So they you may not even know that you have it uh, for a long time, months, uh, years, sometimes. Uh, unless you get tested. So that's why it's so easily spread, right, is because people don't know that they have symptoms. Um, So we routinely test anybody under 25. And then we also uh, offer trichomonas testing, which is a common sexually transmitted infection, as well as HIV and syphilis testing. Is trick a newer one? I've heard of that very it's, rarely. It's not newer, but it's common. And, and it's kind of an odd thing because we do see it quite a bit, but it's not something that's reportable to the state. So chlamydia gonorrhea can lead to, um, for example, in women, scarring in the reproductive tract, which can prevent them from being able to get pregnant later in life. So that is a big deal, and which is why we we report those out. Trichomonas doesn't have the same effect, but it really can be quite uncomfortable. Women can have um, abnormal bleeding, this green frothy discharge that's very itchy and uncomfortable. Patients can have it a lot, but we don't report it to the state. So, okay. you know, it's it's one of those things where I wish we did because because we see it. Okay. So. I'm sitting there like, oh, trick, that must be a new one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a mean one, that's for sure. Yeah. We're here today to talk about syphilis. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what syphilis is? Yes. So syphilis is a sexually transmitted infection, or STI, that's caused by the bacterium Treponema pallidum. Um, And it's sexually transmitted, so that means that it can be passed from oral, vaginal, or anal sex. Um, And it's... It's a uh, it's an STI that I think is uh, sometimes hard for people to understand that they have. So I think a big part of it is education, both on the part of patients because they may not understand what's happening and also on the part of inexperienced providers because they may not know what they're looking at. Syphilis is often called the, the great imitator or the great pretender. 
because it so easily mimics so many other disease processes. In what ways does it mimic other disease processes? So the symptoms can be very, again, like I said, insidious. So it's, it's characterized by three stages. The primary stage includes a painless sore or ulcer, which occurs at the point of infection. And it goes away on its own, but without treatment, you're still going to carry the syphilis bacteria. But once that open sore, which is called a syphilitic chancre, once that goes away and it's not treated, it will progress to the secondary stage. And in that stage, the patient can have um, kind of those, those symptoms that are very generalized, right? Like swollen lymph nodes or fever or fatigue. But most noticeable uh, symptom for that is a uh, brownish or reddish rash on the palms of the hands or the soles of the feet. Is this red or is this a symptom? No. (laughs) No, you do not have symptoms. Uh, (laughs) This is something that you would only know about if you were tested for it. Right. Because it's something that, you know, you can visibly see a sore and time can pass and it goes Mm -hmm. away. But Mm -hmm. it's still in your system. And then we get into the other stages of this. And it can ultimately lead to death. So it can lead to irreversible organ damage and death. It's very serious. That secondary stage can last for a while. And then again, those symptoms can go away on their own. And then they can progress to a latent or hidden stage. And there's, that's broken down into two stages, early or, or late, latent syphilis. Um, and then again, it, it, it can still be infectious in that time. And then it can progress to that tertiary stage, which, which can take years. Uh, in that stage, that leads to uh, irreversible organ damage. It can cause blindness, neurological symptoms, uh, death. And uh, so it's very important that we, we test for this because there's very serious sequelae related to this STI. And it's also very important for pregnant women to get tested. It's routine recommendations that a woman have syphilis testing in pregnancy because if she passes that infection to her neonate, uh, it can lead to stillbirth, miscarriage, or birth deformities. Syphilis literally causes death, and there are STIs that are perfectly treatable and manageable that have such a stigma attached to them, but we don't hear any of the stigma that's associated with syphilis, I guess, because it's curable. One of the big things that I'm finding in doing this work with the podcast is that People just aren't getting tested. Is that something that is contributing to the spread of syphilis? There's a lot of things, I think, that contribute to rising rates of STIs, right? And what we're facing right now is somewhat of an epidemic. I mean, we have these precipitously rising rates of syphilis where we didn't see that. A decade ago, you know, within the last three, four years, the the rates have just risen um, very quickly. Uh, so one thing I would note is that the population that has most been affected by syphilis is the population of men who have sex with men. Uh, in 2017, nearly 80% of cases were in that population. Uh, but what we are seeing with these rising rates is not just in that group, but also among heterosexual couples as well. Um, so, for example, in St. Louis County in 2017, there were 114 cases of primary and secondary syphilis uh, that were diagnosed, and that was a 42% increase from 2016 and a 159% increase from 2013. Um, in the entire state of Missouri since 2012, 
when there were 425 cases, we are now facing 1,896 cases, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, right? But given the time and the rate that it's raising, that's very concerning. So what we're seeing with syphilis is that there's increasing rates across the state of Missouri. Um, and we normally see that in metropolitan areas because there's more of a population of people. But what we've also seen is an increase of rates in rural counties as well. So for example, Jasper County, which is out where our Joplin Clinic is, has a population of about 60,000 patients, but their case number for syphilis was the same as in St. Louis, but that means that their rate was much higher. So we're seeing these, again, this quick elevation in numbers. So part of that is, you know, we kind of have this crumbling uh, health infrastructure throughout the state, and patients are lacking access to healthcare in general. And when we start to get out to these rural clinics, when everybody knows everybody, sometimes it's a, it's just a simple matter of stigma, where if I show up at this clinic and I know the person at the front desk, who's to say they're not going to gossip about me and the fact that I have this sore and then I test positive for syphilis, right? But also part of that in general, too, is that we just have these closures of clinics and health centers across the board. And again, that speaks to what's happening not just in this state, but in this country uh, with our health care. It's just these small rural hospitals or clinics can't keep up with the skyrocketing prices or they're getting bought out uh, by big companies. And that's that whole corporate takeover. Right. So people just don't even have access. Couple that with the fact that they fall into this gap where they don't quite meet the requirements for having health insurance. And a lot of that has to do with these insanely rising prices. How can you afford health insurance when it's more expensive than how much you make every month? So, you know, people are going to avoid going to the doctor at all costs because it's going to put you out. I mean, you're not going to be able to afford rent for that month. So that's definitely something that's played into these increasing rates in general, but definitely out more in the rural areas as well. So when we see rates of increasing adverse health outcomes, it's not just as simple as one thing. There's a lot of different layers that play into that. And part of it, too, is this overarching healthcare infrastructure. And Missouri is not known for being a really healthy state, right? We don't have good infant mortality rates. I mean, we have the boot heel, which is seeing infant mortality rates of third world countries. Um, you know, and we have really high rates of STIs, high rates of obesity and smoking, and just adverse health outcomes in general. So we have to look at what is our legislature doing and what are we lacking? And part of that is decreased health care funding. And part of that is the state not accepting Medicaid funds, uh, which they had the opportunity to do with matched millions of federal dollars back when the uh, Affordable Care Act came out. But they didn't want to accept that because it was the ACA. It was Obamacare. So, but that left thousands of patients without health insurance. I mean, that's a problem. But in terms of syphilis in general, it's often seen alongside HIV. And so there's a couple parts to that. Um, part of it is these days we have such great medications to manage HIV. We have PrEP, uh, which is a daily pill that is, is what prevents up to 92% patients from getting HIV if they have an HIV-positive partner, for example. And those are actually services we'll start providing in two weeks. May 6th, we go live with offering PrEP. I didn't know if I could ask you about that. Yeah, you okay. can, and uh, we are, and so it's very exciting. First off, syphilis is mm -hmm. paired with HIV. Are we saying that people with syphilis are more likely to get HIV or mm -hmm. that syphilis is more popular and prevalent in 
uh, a person who has HIV, or I want to make sure to get the wording right there. Essentially, syphilis and HIV kind of go hand in hand, and it's more of just... So we see, like, the population of men who have sex with men, for example. They often have higher rates of HIV and syphilis. And part of that may be because, you know, as we talk about these, these great new meds for um, preventing HIV or preventing HIV from becoming AIDS, perhaps um, in this population they feel more comfortable not using condoms because they say, well, there's no chance of HIV, right? I got them on these great meds. It's great, so no condoms. But then what happens is, you know, there's that chance that we're inadvertently spreading syphilis in that way. Okay, that makes sense. I just wanted to make sure that we were able to elaborate on that a little bit sure. more. So um, let's go back to PrEP. So I always mess up the uh, what, what the words are for PrEP. Sure, yes. Pre- Pre-exposure prophylaxis, prophylaxis for prevention of HIV. All right. It's a daily pill that's taken, and it can prevent your um, acquiring of HIV up to 92% as long as you're taking it as prescribed. Yeah. Okay, and this is going to be something that you all are offering yes. for free, or is this for... Um, through insurance or what? Mm-hmm. So we will be able to see patients with insurance, and we can help patients. We have patient assistance programs that we are partnering with a couple of pharmacies in the St. Louis area. So community pharmacy, uh, which specifically handles patients with HIV and prescribing out this medication. Also Gateway Apothecary and then Schnucks Pharmacy. So they have programs that are really wonderful for helping patients get their medication. Okay. Yeah. And so this is going to be available to anyone who just meets the requirements or... So a patient would come in and say, hey, I heard you're offering PrEP. Can we talk more about that? And we would screen that patient to see if they are an appropriate candidate. But one thing that I talk about and what I tell my patients a lot is to take control of your own health because you're the only one that's going to do it for yourself, right? Because you may love your partner and you, you know, but... There's, there's always that chance, right? And so part of that is if a patient comes in and they, uh, they truly believe they may be at risk, then we are going to empower that patient to say, yes, we will prescribe this medication for you, given that you're clinically appropriate to take it. Okay. Do you know what some of the screening may look like? Who's fit for PrEP? So the kind of patients that we would consider for PrEP are someone who has an HIV-positive partner. That's a big one. Somebody who maybe injects drugs or has a partner who injects drugs because of that needle sharing and equipment. Somebody who lives in a high-prevalence area or network. So if you're living in a community where HIV is prevalent, then you may be a very good candidate to take that daily pill to prevent it. And then men who have sex with men are always a more vulnerable group, so that would be um, something else that we would screen for. But in general, it's just having that discussion and taking that sexual history and seeing where do you fall in this paradigm if you're an appropriate candidate. But again, if you even anxiety is a good enough reason yeah. to say that you want to start this medication, and it should be, because that's, again, taking control of your own health. Being in a non-monogamous relationship mm-hmm. or being single mm-hmm. isn't something that you're just going to turn away people for. Right, exactly. Um, having a high number of sex partners is, is usually a good and, and not consistently using condoms. Condoms are the best. They're, they're not exciting, but I also, whenever I'm in clinic, I, I say that word a thousand times a day, condoms, 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 because that's going to help you prevent from acquiring HIV or syphilis, for example, or any of the other sexually transmitted infections. So they are very important to um, contributing to decreasing these increasing rates of STIs. Perfect. And then do you all offer condoms as well? Yes, free condoms. Uh, All you got to do is ask. (laughs) Uh, What about the internal condom? Do you offer that? Yes, we do. We provide internal condoms for patients if they need it, and then we commit ourselves to providing the full range of reproductive health services and birth control counseling. 
What I want to leave you all with is the opportunity and space to talk about how people can get involved, what it is that you need, what can people do to help with Planned Parenthood. So I think the biggest thing is come get your STI screening and come see us. You know, our goal has always been to provide excellent reproductive health care services. We do our best to reach all the patients in the state of Missouri that we can. And this is part of why we acquired Southwest Missouri and those locations so that we can serve patients down in Joplin and Springfield, for example. Um, you know, the biggest thing I, you know, I recommend is uh, take control of your health and go get tested and don't be afraid to do that and don't be afraid to, you know, get that testing done because it can be scary, but that is how you take control of your health. And uh, condoms, 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 of course. And uh, I think a big thing is, you know, uh, just go out and vote and also run for office because you could probably do a lot better job than some of these people that we have in office right now. So <laughs> We don't have any political affiliations here at all. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. So it's important to understand as well that Planned Parenthood isn't just offering one thing. You can come here for a range of services from reproductive services, STD screenings and testings and treatment, condoms, cancer screenings, and depot. 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 Oh. <laughs> and, uh, close enough. <laughs> and, and, and large, long-acting reversible contraceptives like the Nexplanon or the IUD. So and these, there's methods that are good for up to 6 to 12 years. So. Right. Good things. Yeah, I just, I really appreciate you meeting with me today. This has been wonderful, and I hope that some people, even if one person finds this helpful, then it was worth it. So Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Charity Galgani with Planned Parenthood here in St. Louis, Missouri. I am so ecstatic to have finally connected here. It's been a long time coming and it just lined up for us. I'm glad we were able to get this in during STD Awareness Month. And I finally got this thing edited on Break the Stigma Day, the first one ever put together by HANDS, Herpes Activist Networking to Dismantle Stigma. For more information on how you can join HANDS or if you want to look at some of the information, see how you can get involved and help with destigmatizing herpes, visit herpes.education and you'll see we have uh, roughly 28 members who are all doing their own thing and tackling the stigma from their own angles. Uh, there are people who have YouTube channels, podcasts, there are people with support groups. So get on there and check it out, look around. There may be someone who you resonate with a little more than others or someone who may look like you or speak your language. So hop on there and check it out, herpes.education. And so far, this Break the Stigma Day has been phenomenal. I want to apologize for not being as involved as... um, I normally be with something like this personally. I've not been in the headspace over the last week or so in order to put as much of myself out as I would like to, but I'm dealing with it. I'm working with my support system to get out of this funk I'm in. So y'all get a little bit more of uh it won't be the same, Courtney, because there's a life change that I'm facing right now, and it's a little bit scary, but just know I'm dealing with it, and once it's been processed and worked through, then I'll be able to share all of that with you all. I want to thank Dating Positives for having me as their spokesperson, continuing to support this podcast. I cannot 
express how awesome it is to have the support. Um, it's awesome to have another alternative for a dating site if you're someone who is positive and just isn't ready to openly disclose your status in fear of being rejected for that. It's great to hop on there and message people and just get your feet wet again back in the dating game if you're someone who's been out of it for a while and you just want to begin having conversations with somebody without having the concern of herpes having to be the topic of discussion. Also, check out the blog Waxo. I just wrote about Break the Stigma Day and I put a little bit more information there about HANDS, the Herpes Activist Network that I was just telling you about. And again, this day has been phenomenal. So many people have opened up for acceptance and offered support to people who are living with herpes. And it's been so amazing to watch. I truly believe that the destigmatization of herpes is literally right there. I found some podcasts, the Dan Savage podcast, the episode from April 22nd. I found an old episode of Unladylike, episode 40, where they talked about herpes and it's It's just so amazing to see all these resources coming out and how many people wanting to get involved. So please, if you want to get involved, again, herpes.education. And check out that blog post on Waxo. Um, I just called it Happy Break the Stigma Day. Thank you again for all of everyone's support. The Patreon page is up, patreon.com slash SPFPP. If you want to financially support something positive for positive people, this is more than a podcast now. It's not just a podcast. My bigger picture goal is to be able to travel to different nonprofit organizations organizations that may not get a lot of media attention or publicity in order to encourage and expand the encourage use of and expand the reach of these organizations and their resources. Just imagine a world where when people are diagnosed, they're diagnosed by people from a sex positive environment who have more of a uh, more communication skills and empathy to where the shame isn't there like where many of us who found this podcast may have been diagnosed. So I talked about the experience I had with getting tested here at St. Louis Effort for AIDS, which is a nonprofit organization, and it was great. It was amazing, and I want to be able to give people who are potentially exposed to an SCI access to resources like that. And by uplifting these uh, these organizations, I think that more people are able to surround themselves with more of the free resources, more sex education, and be able to move forward After a disclosure with more information in the beginning so that the responsibility isn't just on a person who has to disclose, but the person who's being disclosed to is equipped to move forward and make a more informed decision as well. Another thing that I would like to do is offer help to those who need it beyond the reach of what I can provide. I am not a therapist. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a licensed professional. And I understand that. However, I do work in media and (laughs) I understand that I'm going to be contacted by people who are going to want something for me that I can offer to them. And not everyone can afford access to the kind of help that they need. Not everyone knows what kind of help they need. So I want to be able to raise funds and be able to um, pay the people. I have a great network of very qualified people who can assist people working through their diagnosis and whatever other issues they may be facing and other challenges that they have in life. So I want to be able to compensate these people for their time and their experience. So that's where the focus is now for something positive for positive people. The podcast is going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to do this on a weekly basis. So just stick around. I hope that making this the sex positive 
Collective podcast allows for more growth to take place so that I can get the funding because advertisers, they, they want to see numbers. They want to see engagement. They want to see numbers. So please help by rating, reviewing, sharing this podcast. I did everything I could to make it as easy as possible to do just by giving you more safety in sharing these podcast episodes. I thought this was a great one, and I look forward to interviewing with more nonprofit organizations. I look forward to being able to go around the world and get these resources available to people who may not even know that they're available. Please help me do that just by sharing the podcast and leaving us a review. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. It's not Han my chest, which I found a lot of people seem to think it is, but it's at H on my chest. Till next time, stay sex positive.